0: It's the 120 Podcast. Mikey Finnelli, Ben Hootie. Ben, I think we probably talked about this in June or so, probably May, June. We talked about how we're going to string this podcast along if the Cubs don't make the the postseason. And here we are on the final day of the season, Sunday night, and they didn't make the postseason. And yet we had exponential growth for our podcast the last month or two as the Cubs got hot. I'm grateful for that. But It was a weird way. It was a runaround way to get to this moment. They still didn't make the playoffs, but I'm grateful for how that happened. But I think I just think it's funny that we were like, if they start, if they sell off, if they don't even go for it, it's going to be hard to string this thing along. And they didn't, and now here we are in the same spot we thought we might be.
1: Yeah, man, it's been certainly a a roller coaster of a season. I think that's the best way to put it. Am I grateful for? We'll we'll talk more about it, but yeah, it's just been a roller coaster and. There's a lot to unpack, and I think we're going to pretty much unpack it all in this episode and talk to the people.
0: So consider this our bow on the end of a Cubs season. We're still going to post throughout the postseason more of just our baseball stuff, not even really the Cubs. We're going to talk about our brackets uh, in upcoming episodes, but today is just kind of putting a bow on the Cubs season. It was an incredible season, our first podcasting for the Cubs, or well, I guess uh, podcasting about the Cubs. Mm-hmm. We started in February before the season started. Here we are on the last night of the season, after recording every other Sunday or most Sundays. We are here for you, and we did it. We I think we did a episode every single week this last month or two, which has been awesome. Yeah, I Through think all the this highs is. And lows, I yeah. think this
1: is episode twenty six. If I'm Crazy. correct on that, so. It's awesome. Yeah
0: through all the highs and lows too. Like it's funny because every once in a while, I'll go back and like listen to the beginning of an old episode. And Like even like a month ago, like when we swept the Giants, like I'm sure that episode for us was like, we were riding high. And like, that's fine. That's going to be fine. You live and you move on. It had some, this season had some great moments. I mean, we're coming at you on Sunday night. We might seem calm. I might seem calm, but like I knew by last Wednesday night, last Wednesday night, the second Braves loss was kind of like, the like walk off. That was like the Acuna game. I, I just went to my room that night and I was just like, man. Now it's just like, now I'm over it. Like, I honestly felt like it's sad to say I felt kind of a sense of relief last night when we officially got eliminated because I was like, I'm just so tired of getting strung along. Like this team wasn't even supposed to be in the playoffs and then they work and then they blew a chance to make it.
1: Yeah. We talked to you Wednesday and while we were, or not Wednesday, excuse me, Tuesday, correct? Mm-hmm. Wh- whatever day the, 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 say a loss happened. Um, We talked to you then and You could tell that we were frustrated, but we were keeping it together. We were holding out hope, and yeah, you just yeah. I think you put it perfectly. This is just kind of how these things go. We it it kind of felt over as soon as we got swept by the Braves, and there's really no way to put it. Um, yeah. Yeah. We asked for <laughs> we asked for meaningful baseball in September. I, I I feel like you've probably heard it from myself. I heard <clears throat> I heard JD say it on the broadcast last night. Everyone's been saying that this is what you get with that, and I I am thankful. Like this was yeah. as much as this season was frustrating and annoying. You also saw steps in the right direction, which I'm sure we're going to get to shortly, and I think that we. Are truly this is a this is a building block year of something that could ultimately become greater down the line
0: interesting quote last night ben following the game of course they got the classic exit interviews going with the reporters and stuff i'm sure when they clean out their lockers and stuff this week they'll do more of that but um cody bellinger spoke like a true boris client in saying i did what did he say i i did or i i it, it was, was yeah it was special. Sorry. It, it was special, special to play at Wrigley Field. It, which like I'm not like I don't think we need to completely call the fire department yet and, blur, and like you know go crazy. Like this is I I expect him to say stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like this is not that doesn't mean he's done. It doesn't mean he's oh man, the, you know this stunk how he, the year ended. I'm for sure gone. No. He's just the minute that game ended, he knew he wasn't playing today. He's a free agent. Yeah. He needs he needs to he needs other teams to know Hey, I'm available. So his asking price and his number continues to rise. And as a free agent bats concerned, assuming Juan Soto is going back to San Diego and Shohei aside, I think is one of that probably that's number two or number three bat available in the in the free agent market.
1: When it comes to bat, well, Soto is a Soto is still with the Padres. He it's, if he what,
0: what is it? It's like it's like it's le- free agent, but
1: no, 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 he's not a free agent at all. If he leaves, it'll be through trade.
0: Mm, and well, that's I just, it was, I thought he was still on a one year through like arbitration last year. And no, was,
1: no, no, no. Okay. They're going, they're going to pick him back up and try and trade him.
0: Got it. Okay. For,
1: for the, just this last year. So I think that's something we could talk about as we move forward, because that's certainly a name to potentially keep an eye on. Yeah. But yeah, when it comes to free agent bats, it's kind of one a and one B at this point with Shohei Otani, depending on his health and Cody, Cody Bellinger. Yeah. We, we talked about it. At the beginning of the season, one of the biggest X factors to the Cubs success this year is the way that Cody Ballinger would be able to bounce back. And I think when we said that, we were expecting like maybe like a 240, kind of similar in the in the home run department that he had. I think he ended up the season with twenty six, if I'm not wrong.
0: I got the stats pulled up here. I was gonna do it right after you were done. Yeah, 26. How many RBIs do you know off the top of your head?
1: Uh, 99, I think. 97. So Oof. close. Okay. And man, did Cody just deliver? It, yeah. That's It's as simple as that. I want him to be in this uniform for as long as possible. That is my that is my number one most want this offseason. I want Cody Bellinger in a Cubs uniform for majority of his career, however long he decides to end up signing. I, I loved his time as a Cub, and if it truly is over, then – you know, I it, it it will be tough, but it's pretty crazy that the Cubs were able, truly able to resurrect this guy after he was one of the main talking points for three straight years about his fall off of after winning an MVP and just falling off the face of the earth and batting right around 200 every year. The home run numbers were down and he comes to Chicago and is a a, a true MVP candidate.
0: In 556 at-bats, or sorry, plate appearances, which is the same amount-ish that he had in 2021 in L.A. No, sorry. Same amount he had in 2022 in L.A. and then 2017. In his MVP year and the other years around there, he was more in the 600s. But my point is, in 560 plate appearances, he had the highest batting average this season that he's had in his entire career at 307. That's
1: absurd. That's absurd. Uh, he, and we he literally
0: resurrected this guy's career,
1: he, and he changed. And the the most beautiful part about it is the Cody Bellinger that we we knew was good before this was the big home run guy. And that's kind of what he leaned on. And it worked. It's kind of like how Aaron judge plays and a lot of the big home run hitters in major league baseball. But, you know, he came here and he was still able to club the ball out of the park, but it was more of just the approach and the way that he was able to battle with two strikes. I mean, they would flash that number on marquee every single time he'd have, he'd be in a absolute, like just battle with the pitcher. And it was with two strikes. He would that they would flash that stat that he had like the second best uh batting average with two strikes in Major League Baseball. So he he's a new he is a different player going into free agency and everything that he, you know, he took that one year, 17 and a half million bargain. And whether he plays for the Cubs or not, it paid dividends for his mm-hmm. career. Oh, so and, huge for him. That's so smart. I
0: mean, <clears throat> excuse me, everyone always discusses if. You know, why didn't Jed resign him? Cody wouldn't do that. He's yeah, a, like, he's on a one-year deal for a reason. We talked about it when they signed him. When we did our first episodes in February, when we first came back talking about X-Factors for the year, and he was one of them, we discussed. This is a team-friendly, him-friendly contract. Everyone wins here for the most part. It's not team-friendly in the sense that you don't get to lock him down for a number of years, but there's there was two sides of that coin in February when we started this podcast. There was this, what ended up happening, where he has, the second most hits in his career, only second to his MVP year, and then there was the opposite dimension, where mm-hmm. the one hundred and twenty podcast somehow is still surviving, and we're talking about Cody hitting one hundred and sixty-five again. That would
1: have been I mean, that would he he probably saved this podcast himself.
0: Yeah, I mean, no, we make jokes about it. we would have kept going, but it would have been oh, yeah. very difficult to keep to keep going. But no, I mean, yeah, twenty twenty-one with the Dodgers, he batted one sixty-five in three hundred fifty plate appearances. I mean, Ugh. he, how much, okay, here's Cody. Cody has a, is a Boers client. He's obviously going to go for the most money he can. Why shouldn't he's resurrected his career. He's a former MVP who, if he wins another one, maybe he'll even be a hall of famer someday. If he keeps at this pace, he should get paid.
1: So you're, <laughs> are you asking what the number is?
0: Kind of, but I'm just generally saying like, if you're Cody and the Cubs give you that number for, you know, seven years, eight years what if i'm coding i don't i don't think twice about it stick around yeah. here everyone thinks he wants to go back out west where he's from but okay i don't think he's going back to the dodgers i think the fans kind of sh- made that ship sail i don't think he wants to go to, maybe he'd go to san francisco maybe but other than that i think the cubs are probably option a
1: yeah and it's all gonna really we're gonna i think we'll have a good idea of what where everything breaks down in the next couple of weeks. Cause that's kind of yeah. how it always says as soon as the season ends, you start to hear which teams are interested in who and what, but I guarantee you. And I'm guaranteeing all of Chicago Cubs fans. The Cubs are 110% in on this guy and they will probably try and break the bank as far as they can possibly go to get him back. And it all goes back to, and I saw today and I'll get to that in a second, but it all goes back to the trade deadline when they decided to keep him around Mm -hmm. and Jed Hoyer is sitting there talking about, you know, keeping Stroman and belly around and a reporter asked what, what's, the potential plan going forward with Cody Bellinger. It was something along those lines and Jed didn't really answer it, but he said with a smile and laugh, Cody knows how we feel about that, about him. Jed has never done that with any impending free agent. And he has had to deal with a lot. He's, he's taken a lot of shit and slander from the organization about, you know, who should come back, who this we, we dealt with this for the Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, Chris Bryant era. I had never seen that in my life when it came to the Cody Bellinger thing, when he just smiled, laughed, saying he knows how we feel about them. And then today on the broadcast, Tom Ricketts went on the broadcast and said like, yeah, we love the guy. Like we'd love to keep him around. He knows how we feel about him. And then it goes to later as they were packing their stuff up from Milwaukee, getting ready to hit the road back and clean their stuff up out of Wrigley. It was reported that Tom was talking to Cody before he exited the dugout. So it's it's going to be a long off season, and I know all of, every single Cubs fan wants this guy back. I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily say feel hundred percent confident that we're going to bring him back, but at least feel good about the things that Cody Bellinger did here. And I hope that he appreciates that. And if the Cubs are willing to meet that number, then he should. He should ultimately end up becoming a Chicago Cub years going forward.
0: Someone we don't have to worry about in free agency because he's a Cub for life with Theo Epstein's house now is Dansby Swanson. Bad a mm-hmm. 244 on the year, but he did have 81 runs and 80 RBIs of his own, 22 home runs from a guy who not who has never been known for his uh, his power. Even though he had a 27 home run season in, in Atlanta, I didn't even know that. But um, just a, an impressive year for him nonetheless. He had some he had some weird stretches, but he would also get hot. He was streaky, but he. I don't think this is the peak for Swanson, but at all, this will probably my hope is this will be on the lower end of his Cubs contract statistically. But I still I'm confident in what we got from Dansby Swanson in a small sample size. He's already a shoe in for the Gold Glove over there at short, and um, his friend Nico might very well be in the conversation at second.
1: Yeah, as much as, and I think rightfully so, everyone was kind of ripping on Dansby with the way that he kind of, not necessarily I would say approach, but the way that he kind of hit the ground the last three weeks. I'm still kind. I'm still happy and and i confidently say that i'm so happy that this guy is my shortstop. Mm-hmm. He truly is a winner and i guarantee you he is one of the main reasons for this turnaround being a vocal leader in that locker room. And yeah, i mean 240 and those numbers were way up before he hit this really bad slump going into this year, but 240, 20 home, 20 plus homers, 80 RBIs and playing the best defense at shortstop in the NL like that That's beautiful, and that is a building block going forward, and I'm so happy he's our shortstop.
0: We could go literally player by player. I'll spare it because it would take forever to just go player by player. But, Ben, I think the bottom line that I'm starting to consider, let's say they do resign Cody. You obviously have Dansby tied down for a long time. You re-signed Happen Horner at least for the next couple of years. You found lightning in a bottle with great young pitching, and the world kind of found out about great young pitching, and Justin Steele, and uh, everyone found out about Jordan Wicks. Marcus Stroman's coming back for another year it seems. Yes. If and if he if he can remain healthy it could be really good again. Jameson Taillon had an off year but it showed some flashes of brilliance here in his last few starts. Mm-hmm. It, it the bottom line is that the expectations are high but is that a bad thing now? Because it sucks what happened at the end of this year but it's a totally different idea now going into next year. Like if we if we sit back and think about how we felt in February when we started this podcast it was a team of former all-stars who had never played together and we didn't know how it would work. And we learned that with a little bit of bounce and duck snort and this, that, and the other thing, the speech from Bull Durham about one more hit a week, they could have won this division. They could have mm-hmm. made the playoffs at the very least. I mean, what was the stat you texted me today? 79 runs for the Cubs and like 80 some for the for who they played in the last 15 games? Yep.
1: 79 runs for the Cubs and 82, and that's over a four Insane. four and 17 stretch
0: insane that they were that in in 21 games there that they the total score was only separate by three it just goes to show i mean literally a ground ball with eyes for any any game i mean the diamondbacks extra inning thriller both of the first two games against the braves <sighs> help me out
1: like the like last night even like it, uh, it for goes one last night but like it, it just, goes it way it goes way farther back than that but obviously like that's just at the end of the day that's baseball you look back at everything i i go back to at the in the beginning of may when they lost three of four in washington and that series ended on an alex call walk off home run we go back to just two weeks ago losing two one run ball games to the colorado rockies in colorado off the shittiest pitchers that you've probably never heard of there there are the little things that just makes you frustrated the way the season ends but i'm going to go back to what you said is it a bad thing that there's expectations absolutely not because of the way that they played in the second half of the season this team this team if you put this the team that was in that second half for a full 162 shit we might even have an nl central title like not even just looking at wild card so now it's time too, and I just watched Zombieland, so I'm gonna say it nut up or shut up and <laughs> <laughs> and get on the road. Keep this core that you just said. And you and the crazy part is like all those guys that you just mentioned were all pretty good this year. And that's not including the 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 leaps that Christopher Morel and Seiya Suzuki both took this year, as well as we might have finally found a closer homegrown developed in Adbert lie. Use those. Yeah realize what you have with this roster and make it better because we know you have the resources to get that done whether it is through a trade or multiple offseason signings
0: the addition of jamer candelario was exponential for the cubs this year maybe Mm -hmm. not as much towards the end but at least when he first got to town in that first month in august if they don't bring him back I wish him well. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. I really hope they do, but I'm not going to lose sleep over it. But I think you definitely need to find a similar player to 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 supplement this team. And I will, I'll have you go in a sec, but I wanted to also add, that includes confirming who's playing third. Are you teaching morale this offseason? Are you sticking with Nikki Two Strikes? Are you finally letting Wisdom walk? Are you re-signing Jamer? Are you converting Matt Shaw to a third baseman? It's a great problem to have, but mm-hmm. you just got to commit.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of questions and exa- exactly what you said. It's a great problem to have. It's very similar to what we said going into the season about um, the, the the amount of starting pitchers that they had, potential starting pitchers. And sure enough, it actually kind of ended up, even though it was frustrating at the beginning of the year, it kind of ended up working out for us because mm. Javi Assad and was even though Asneski was shaky, he was pretty solid down the stretch at third base it's that's the biggest question mark of it all. And it's more the matter of, do you stay with what you have right now with Matt Shaw or, or potentially Matt Shaw or Nick Madrigal or miles Mastroboni, or do you truly go and break out the piggy bank and maybe sign Matt Chapman? Do you let all the yeah. prospects loose and call Cleveland and say, Hey, what, what's going on with you guys is Jose Ramirez available. Yeah. Do you re-sign Jamie Candelario? There's a lot of question marks, and it's just all around this roster. Not bad question marks, but question marks that could be answered about: Are the Cubs truly willing to fully go into it for next year and break break open that bank, or mm-hmm. potentially lose prospect capital?
0: Now you got me excited because if thinking about that, like I, I'm perfectly fine figuring out Shaw or Morel, but signing J Ram or Chapman would be incredible and it would and fit it goes, in with this Cubs team. I mean this is this is a group of, of former All Stars and former I mean not a world champ, but like former All Stars who have come together and have put together a solid ball club. And I think especially if they re-sign Bellinger, either of those two bets you named off would be an amazing addition.
1: And there's it goes farther than that. If they are truly willing to get rid of prospect capital for guys that are on a one year deal who have one year left, P Alonzo and Juan Soto could be available as well yep. this offseason. And All I'm saying is, as much as that might scare you, potentially losing Pete Crow Armstrong, Cade Horton, Matt Shaw, hold it. Because look at the deals that got done a couple years ago for Francisco Lindor and Mookie Betts, who were both in their final season of their contract and got traded to the Dodgers and Mets, respectively. The Mets and Dodgers did not have to give up their top prospects for those guys who are two of the top 15 players in baseball. Juan Soto and P. Alonso are right there not maybe Juan Soto more than Pilonzo, but either way, if you potentially go and get either of those guys, that is a, you, you might not have to give up as much as you think.
0: or Pete would be good for this Cubs team as well. That's another hole or potential hole over there at first, even though Jamer and Cody kind of split those duties towards the end, but both of those guys are not confirmed to be returning. I mean, who does that fall on Matt? Excuse me, Matt Mervis, who we saw a month of and really was unimpressive. I think I think he'll snap back into something whether it's with the Cubs or not, but I think um we definitely need to sign a veteran or resign one of the veteran options
1: we have to continue to play first base. I think if if we are potentially talking about a trade for one of the three guys I mentioned, then there's a good chance Matt Mervis would go because he's right at the level of like he deserves MLB playing time, but is he like yeah. he doesn't really fit into the full with the Cubs? And if they do decide to keep him around, maybe he does come up and make a huge impact next year. It's really just we have to wait and see until the postseason's over because then we will get this this greater idea of what the Cubs plans are. What do you think about Pete? I What are you saying, Pete going forward?
0: Well, just like what we see now. And like I'm not overreacting. I just think like is is PCA uh a, a lock to, to remain? <clears throat>
1: start with the major league team that I don't have an answer to. No, I, I, meant, wish... I
0: meant, is he locked to remain as a part of the Cubs organization? Oh yeah. I think those, so. Those veterans I, flying.
1: I think they, unless they were to trade for a guy that becomes available and has like multiple years of control left, which in my head right now, I can't even think of one that could become available. I think that would be the only way that PCA would be departed in a potential trade for a, a veteran, but I, I truly think that if they were to make a trade this offseason, that you have three untouchables in that farm system, and that's PCA, uh, Cade Horton, who is just we he might be up by next year. He's a bona fide. he's he is our next ace. Huge. And Matt Shaw because of what Matt Shaw has done yeah in his short time in the minors. So I think and you, PCA, you drafted him in the down. first round this year. You gotta yeah. with with intention of him playing for the he'll play for the Cubs
0: next season, barring some. I, something I think he will. Yeah. I think he will. Yeah, and I think that's a great option at third base. But I want to go back to what I brought up with third base. I think a lot of people, myself included, have debated the thought of, and we kind of tiptoed around this, mm, yeah, of morale s- switching over to third. Um, especially if Seiya is becoming a full-time DH, does that does that mean that you're looking at at morale potentially sliding you, into third role?
1: I think no matter what going into this offseason, you teach morale third base. Yeah. Because it <clears> – <throat> Even if they do end up getting a, a stud third baseman, whether that's bringing back Candelario, who can obviously play first base now, or you look at Chapman or J Ram, it provides Christopher Morell to be exactly what we want him to be. We want, I want Christopher Morrell, and I think a lot of, I, I once I say this, I guarantee you, you'll agree with me, he would be awesome as a super utility guy that can DH yes. and play third. Yes. But it's just, it's more of the problem. The fact that, and it almost kind of screwed the Cubs over towards the end of the season because you wanted Morel to get as many at bats as possible, but it was more just the fact of it's shaky of if you're confident in putting him in to play in the, in the infield. So he was yeah. forced into that DH spot was, was potentially taking at bats away from other people. And mm-hmm. it was leaving that big hole over there at third base when uh, Jay and Nick Madrigal were both out, even though Mastro played pretty well over there. So you, you, I think no matter what going into this off season, whether you plan on him being your third baseman opening day or not bring him to the Arizona complex, just like you did with Nick Madrigal for an entire right. off season, and teach him third base. So he could ultimately become the super utility player and not just a 23 year old. That's going to be a lifelong DH. Cause that just does no. not, that is not, not how it works. Yes. He, yeah
0: it's not how it works he, you gotta you gotta consider the thought that he is going to be around for longer than a few of these options you're talking about like miles masturboni is not a cub for life neither right. is nick madrigal like they're they're both great they're both especially Nikki two strikes did a lot of good stuff for us this year but like morel is someone who you definitely see in your future you need to find his niche you need to find his role and i think his role is third base there's an a, abundance of outfield slash dh options especially if you re-sign cody especially if with Sayas staying around, obviously, you already re signed and Horner. You see PCA in the future. There is no role for Christopher Morrell if he's not learning how to be an infielder.
1: Mm-hmm. And that even goes to I know they talked about earlier in the year, but like try him out anywhere. If he wants, like, I know he played a lot of center field his rookie year, but he was bad out there. So yeah. try and teach him that if you need to teach him all the outfield spots, teach him third base and shit. If you even need to try, let him try first base. Cause I know they mentioned the idea earlier in the season when they didn't have a first baseman. So yeah, I, I love, he, he took so many steps forward this year and it's just frustrating to think that that guy legitimately stayed for like stayed in the minors for as long as he did to start the season.
0: Yeah. And it kind of worked out when all was said and done.
1: Yeah. But Pat, and, one more thing, Pat and Ron were saying that the pace that he was on the home runs per at bat, if he started on the opening day roster, he would have ended the season with around 38 to 40 home runs based on the way that he was like on, on pace for. So
0: this doesn't, I I'm shocked that this is becoming something I'm actually kind of curious about because it wouldn't feel like this is something that matters, but so I think Jan Gomes has an option this, this off season, right? Yeah. I, I, okay. Keep going. Sorry. No, that's just my thought. I just, I mean, he's not an unrestricted free agent until after next year. He is 36. He kind of had lightning in a bottle this year from the plate. I just don't think we've seen enough from Miguel Amaya yet to completely have all that fall on him. I kind of want to hope we at least have gas money for one more year.
1: I think it's a club option and if I were to take a wild guess, they are a hundred percent bringing him back. Even Please. if he, even if he hits it, you know, I don't think anyone was expecting what we got out of Jan Gomes this year. He was just, mm-hmm. if we talk about most important players on this roster, he is right up there with Cody Bellinger and Justin yeah. Steele all year long. It's crazy to say that, but gas money, Gomes, I will be a cub next year. Now the role we'll obviously see because by th- He'll be thirty seven by next year, and that's when yeah. you start to kind of see a slip off. So that will eventually, I think, lead to more of a split between Jan Gomes and Miguel Amaya. Miguel Amaya, yeah. But you know, we we saw that back in twenty sixteen with Wilson or <clears> three <throat> three good, three good yeah, catchers: Miguel Montero, David Ross, and Wilson, Wilson Contreras. So, and the DH spot gives you more flexibility to if if Yan Gomes is truly hot and you want to see a lot of Miguel Amaya catcher, then. Jan Gomes can go slide over there and DH when he wants mm-hmm. to. So yeah. I think Jan Gomes is back with this club. I think he's truly one of those one of the the big leaders of this clubhouse. And I think he loves it here and he'll be back around.
0: That's what I'm saying. The bottom line of this episode. The team is mostly returning, especially if Cody gets resigned. It's not they're really not losing all too much if they do things right. I think one thing I wanted to share that's kind of funny about Yon Gomes. And I think this will just make you laugh, Ben. Hopefully it does for listeners too. My friend who's just a cynical non-Cubs fan, just like, you know, everyone knows one of those people. Like they just find enjoyment and just like hating on the Cubs. Um, was as all, as everybody else has been, was criticizing David Ross, who Tom Ricketts, literally just said today was a great manager and did well for the team after the second half. So he's staying. Um, and for better or worse, he's staying. I'm okay with it. And a lot of people aren't, we could get into that in a minute. Um, but anyway, my friend said, we were watching the game the other day, and Jan Gomes got a hit, and I said, gas money. and did like like a filling up my car motion, and he goes, you think Jan Gomes would be the coach of the Cubs right now if he was on the World Series team? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that one made me laugh pretty hard. I was, like, I was like, I guess it is very similar.
1: Oh, my God. He is going to be <laughs> – this team ends up winning a World Series with Jan Gomes as the catcher. Just wait. Cause well, fucking... and then
0: we're talking because, like, somebody else who I was with this weekend is just a big baseball fan, not even necessarily the Cubs. And he's like, I love that David Ross was just the personal catcher. I'm, like, the biggest Cubs free agent signing of all time. And I'm like, yeah. And, and then he's a manager for running on probably five years now, assuming he's back next year. Like, it's crazy how things work out. Yeah. But I think that's maybe that's a good way to wrap up here with this one last conversation. Wait, what wait, do you wait. think
1: about one more thing before that? And I think this is more of just a question of what we think could potentially happen. Who Kyle Hendricks, I think we should mention. Oh, yeah. Really Let's quick. do that
0: before Rossi. Let's do Kyle yeah.
1: Hendricks. I don't, I don't, I really don't know what will happen. I know that Tom Rickett said today that they want to bring him back, but he said that almost like he hasn't had a conversation with Jed about bringing him yeah. back. So, I think this potential Strowman opt-in can hurt our chances at bringing Kyle Kyle Hendricks back. And if that is the case where you kind of evaluate Strowman and Hendricks the same way, that still could leave a potential um, spot in your rotation. And I know I was saying go get the big bat, including Cody Bellinger, you also have to get a big starting pitcher. I'm mm-hmm. I'm just being straight up honest. I know we talk about it, and we liked what we saw out of Javier Assad and the way Jamison Tyone was able to wrap things up. And obviously, Justin Steele is going to finish runner up in the NL Cy Young race. But I I truly do think what and there's a couple options out there. I think people have differing opinions about who is out there, but you have Yamamoto coming from Japan and we obviously saw what Senga did this year with the Mets. So I wouldn't shy away from potentially going after him
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the Noah's and Snell's of the world as well. So it, or whether it's a trade. So I think the, I think Hendricks would be back if Stroman didn't opt in, but I think we're all pretty confident in the fact that Stroman will ultimately be a cup again next year.
0: Greatest two way player of all time as a free agent. The Cubs, awesome. the Cubs have said they're opening their wallet. I don't think that is as important as resetting Cody Bellinger though. Obviously, getting Shohei Otani would be an insane deal, but I think we should focus on what's more realistic at first, which is resetting Cody.
1: Yeah, I think, and we're just we're just literally throwing these ideas out like like we're just throwing shit at wall like at a wall yeah. like yeah. We 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 truly don't know what happens, and it's like making me think like we should probably do. And obviously, Mikey talked about it before the episode started. We're still gonna bring you some off-season coverage, but we should probably do like a free agency preview. Yeah, probably a couple weeks after the World Series, once we have a better idea of what the market is.
0: Yeah. All right, let's do before we plug some things at the end of the episode for the offseason. Let's do Rossi talk. You and I—that's one of the few things you and I kind of disagreed on this year. I feel like we were—we're we're usually pretty similar. And I think you're someone who would have would not have been upset about David Ross walking. And today they kind of seem to solidify that he's he's sticking around. What what were your initial thoughts hearing that?
1: I the, the thing about Rossi is I'm just like I'm kind of like the middle ground. I feel like I feel like you're behind him. I feel like not I'm like the middle. Fully,
0: I'm not gonna I'm not gonna jump in the way you know for him. But like I I like I'm like full on like I don't think anyone could be doing a better job right now that's available i think he's fine i think he's it's not the reason why anything This that i will
1: i will say this and there's a lot of managers in major league baseball that take so many years to make their way up through a managers to be to become a manager and they've been through it all through high a and double a and triple a until they're ultimately a major league bench coach or manager. And David Ross kind of skipped that. Not taking away mm-hmm. anything that he had in his long 19-year whatever it was career. Like that's that's phenomenal. He had a, a phenomenal career and he saw probably so many pitchers so he played with so many different people. He's gotten so much great advice, I guarantee it. My biggest thing is he just needs to kind of learn how to manage a bullpen is number one, because obviously we saw whether it's his fault or not, the bullpen was running on few fumes by, by today.
0: Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah.
1: He, he also needs to learn how to put out lineups that aren't necessarily bad, but give guys off days when they need them. True. And I think the biggest thing for me is just the fact of what we saw yesterday with Alexander Canario, where he went three for five, and the other start before that he had he had a single and a grand slam. Like those are two starts that you could have potentially given to uh, an off day to Cody Bellinger, Dansby Swanson, and he could have maybe made an impact if you just tried the kid out. Yeah, I'm not, You're- I'm not, I'm not calling for his job, but. The- if if we truly want to reach the mountaintop with this team and, you know, continue to improve, he needs to improve in his in-game situations and kind of be, have the ability to learn from what happened this year and hopefully make it better for next. And hopefully we can have a better year next year with him.
0: My whole thought, and I'm completely agreeing with you with that. I think there's a lot he needs to improve on. My whole thought is if you look at it, kind of looking at Rickett's quote of what he did for this team, how he inspired this team. If you look at it from the perspective of who this team was, like his speech, his fiery speech at the beginning of the year, where he listed off the entire resume of the players and said, But fuck all that. Like yeah. that that is about that's how he led the team this whole year. He took a team of guys who had been managed by Brant Snecker, Dave Roberts, Joe Madden, like guys who had like dealt with Hall of Fame coaches and was like, I think he was transparent. Like, hey guys, like I'm still pretty young too. Like I, he didn't, like, like you said, he didn't really pay his dues in the coaching ranks. I think that's what they liked about him when they signed him. I think when, when Jed and and they, they decided to keep David around, they gave an extension after that first COVID year and stuff. When they decided to keep him around, they realized he's not just an interim coach. He's, he's, they thought of what we are at now. They thought of where we are now. Of course they would have thought to make the playoffs already, but they thought of where they're at now and said, this is long past, Trading Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo this is what David Ross can do when they put a team on the field of players who are veterans and are willing to to win games and know how to win games so i'm I'm proud of what David Ross was able to do with a a roster full of guys who had been with great coaches before and I think that shows a lot of of his ability and and promise that all of these guys were behind him and supported him based on who they also had been coached by
1: uh-huh that's that's perfectly said and I think people calling for his job are kind of insane because the window hasn't necessarily opened yet on this team trying to win a World Series. No. But next year could be.
0: I think if they if they don't if they underwhelm next year, then yeah, we need to start thinking about it.
1: Yes. Not even start thinking about it. This is I think this is his true this is truly his proven year. What are we going on? Year six now, and this will be his fourth year. Is it year six or year five?
0: It'll be next year. It'll be year five. But I mean, it's like the COVID year was his first year. This is tech.
1: This is technically year four for him or this upcoming season is year four. I think by then you should know your, your, if your manager does not make the playoffs going into year four, then you, need to move on. So that's why I think next year is a prove it year. And all the things I said, I hope he is, he's learned from his mistakes this year and he's going to ultimately have a better year next year as the manager of the Chicago Cubs and prove, prove to all of us that he wants, not, not that he wants to be here, but the fact that he thinks that he could truly take this team to a world series.
0: We've talked about this on the pod. I think we said this in the last episode, but when he starts, if, and when David Ross is, on in the dugout for opening day at Wrigley Field next year, it'll be the same amount of years as uh, his predecessor did, Joe Mann. So it five years, so it's our uh, five seasons. So it's it's crazy to think about because he feels so new, feels so random still. Like maybe he was supposed to be just interim, but we're here. It was a team that was 10, 15 games below, and then they found a way to finish above 500, crush the win total. Kind of they kind of stopped after they got the win total.
1: But they, (laughs) I I should have, I should have never texted you that they got over. Because when did everything turn? And they got got over
0: the win total. They
1: were at seventy nine for like a week.
0: Oh, oh, Ben, I enjoyed doing this podcast with you this year. We're gonna, I mean, this isn't a goodbye. We're gonna keep doing offseason stuff. We're gonna do the playoffs, and then we're gonna have we might have during
1: we might have an episode in two days. Yeah, we might have a playoff
0: episode in two days. We'll have offseason stuff, interviews, all kinds of good stuff. And my friend Ben has something exciting he wants to kind of tease here for a new should i call it a new show on the 120 network is that the best way to put it new series new series I don't know. okay limited series limited off-season series
1: L- limited i don't know we'll have to see well limited um, to
0: the off-season I mean. yeah but like who knows
1: there i have some exciting stuff in the works that uh mr fernelli will be participating in not mm-hmm. <laughs> not necessarily being hosting, no hosting with me so um yeah uh, you I'm thinking I'm going to announce it sometime in the next two weeks. So make sure to be, to stay tuned to all of our socials as I will be posting it there. And hopefully we'll get the ball rolling on that limited series. Yeah. Um, In the next three weeks. So just stay on the lookout for that. I'm super excited. I think this is an idea that I've really. it's Something that I've become really passionate about and I'm, I'm excited to share it with you all. And it's going to yeah. be a lot of fun.
0: I'll tease this part. I won't give up what Ben's idea is because it's his brainchild here and I'm just participating. I'm not really even hosting it. It is interactive. It involves 120 fans who are interested and it extends the reach of Chicago fandom beyond just the friendly confines. Is
1: that a good way to put it? That's amazing. All right. Good. That, that actually got me juiced a little bit. Like I'm excited. You guys, it's a great, I I'm, I'm patting myself on the back. It was a great idea. I came up with it and I'm, just so fucking excited to let this thing ride. We like... both
0: had an F-bomb tonight. Let's go. That might be the first episode ever we both had an F-bomb. I rarely do it on the show. <laughs> when did you first... say
1: it? I, I missed I, it.
0: I don't know. I dropped it at some point earlier. I, I like thought about it when I said it. Because I, I, I never really do on the show. So even yeah, though Ben, always puts, ben puts the explicit tag on it. So I mean, we can do it. We just don't. I don't personally do it often. Ben does it more than me. Which is funny because when I went on, I went on like the, at one point in the season, I went on Dom's like live stream, like director of morale. Uh, to, to, to shit on the reds and i was just like a sailor and ben was like i've never heard you talk like that <laughs> yeah that was
1: that was the best mikey moment of the season
0: <laughs> i was mad but i was also like excited to go beat the reds and then we lost two out of three so mm. no uh, i think we so, split yeah. did we okay never yeah it was a four game series you're right we still oh, lost man. two though man okay well that's it for this episode of 120 that's it for the first season of 120 we will have lots of off-season stuff we will have all kinds of good stuff moving forward and uh our third co-host anthony rizzo or something like that's going to join the show next. no i'm kidding that'd be pretty awesome to have like a former player be like oh i know be a be a co-host but i feel like especially for me because i'm not an encyclopedia like you they would just like run me on like random nonsense like i had no idea about
1: hubs <sighs> nation let me just uh tell you one thing you can be disappointed about how this season ended but be grateful for the ride and just be excited for what's coming because I promise you we saw some great things the way this season ended and they they are they they are going to be a good team soon enough and I cannot wait
0: yeah it's coming. they're gonna they're gonna do it and go I keep saying go Cubs 4L like on Twitter like for life because I think that's the bottom line with me like I didn't even watch the Bears game today. Neither did you, Ben. Like, we were both working an ISU thing. Like, but I don't think I honestly would have anyway. Like, I I, I probably would have if I was doing nothing else at home. But, like, the Bears and the Bulls for me and others, like, I'm a huge fan. But at the end of the day, I can get mad about those teams and, like, truly be mad for extended periods of time. But I'm already kind of, like, it's a curse. it, It shows why the Cubs have made so much money over the years that I'm already kind of, like, Juiced up for next season. Like, Mm -hmm. like this, like this sucked. This is the worst week of being a Cubs, one of the worst weeks of being a Cubs fan in my lifetime. And I'm, it's Sunday and I'm already juiced back up after recording of like, damn, this team's going to come back out the same team next year. I'm excited. Like, that's the biggest issue. It's a curse being a Cubs fan, but there is reason to still be positive.
1: And we just have, I think Cubs, all of Cubs nations kind of switched from being negative assholes like we're known for across yeah. other social like other fan bases when really that's just not the case and we're all very positive for some reason
0: yeah
1: probably hurts us sometimes because we probably yeah. should be more mean but they call it the friendly confines for a reason folks is. this is this is a ride and i i truly do think that good things are on the way for this team and i'm i'm, I'm juice for the offseason man this is yeah me too this is exciting and Me i don't too. think i i don't think i would be as excited if we weren't doing this but you know True. the fact the fact that i get to have the ability to come on come on here talk about something that i'm very passionate about and i love every single week and put it out to people that also care just as much as i do like that's just it's like living the dream so they bought go us cubs, go cubs for life Thank you mm-hmm. all for listening. It was a hell of a season. And as yeah. I said, it's only getting better from here, folks. They bought us in. Me and Ben are here to stay for podcasting. I
0: mean, we we, we never would have jumped off the ship for being just being Cubs fans. This is a great first year. To, I think this was a, about as good of a first year for a podcast to start as possible. Because if they would have like went all the way to the World Series or something, it would have been almost too good to be true. Like there was so much like disappointment, but so much like things to be happy about. Like this is a perfect year for us to have like a podcast and start on PSF and start on you know Spotify and Apple pods and everything like that, where we can be interactive with people. I just, I think this is the perfect year for something like this to get going.
1: And it just showed uh, the way that we were able to adapt and continue to show steady improvement along with the Cubs. It was, yeah. um, it truly makes us, it's it's crazy because it kinda is depending on how the team succeeds, it's also I feel like more gratifying to us that we're yeah. able to continue to do this and talk to you guys. So
0: we we kind of hit our stride there in July, right when the team did.
1: So I was I was proud oh, yeah. of that.
0: we oh. we got back to recording every week. We were hearing good feedback from friends and, and just random fans. Um the podcast has so much room for growth though. I mean, Ben's new idea for the using the youtube i mean we just introduced the youtube in the last like three episodes like the youtube is going to be a huge key for this off season and then moving forward mm-hmm. so um, I'm... all right enough enough fawning over our, our own podcast. i thank, thank you everybody for 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 listening all season long we really appreciate it uh, i used to say this a lot in the early episodes but i will say it now because it's kind of the end of the of the first season if you think there's any way you think we can improve on this like for instance i really want to figure out a way to like have some kind of like branding next season like like an intro song or like something like that like that's something i'm going to work on like if you think there's any way we can improve we're still at our very like entry level with this so please let us know
1: yeah we want to continue to get better and i think we've shown that and i'm juiced i love yeah. i love this podcast you i too it's it's a lot of fun and i'm excited to continue to watch this team just continue to grow along with us until we see you again at 120
0: at Wrigley Field sometime next year at least for the live in-season Cubs nonsense from our two idiots on this show, we're done with the Cubs for now. We'll do the World Series, we'll do the postseason, and then in about a month, we will I'm sure we'll be making all kinds of hot takes about free agency. But for now, this has been 120. I'm Mikey Fernelli alongside Ben Hooty and thank you for listening. Go Cubs forever.